Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. Somehow last week our discussion ended up on Mitch Marner. And we're going to remove him from the equation for a second, but he is the answer. But I'll just ask again, what player in the NHL just doesn't shoot enough? Well, it's the Joe Thornton Award for a reason. I mean, you know, as I continue to say, one of my favorite photoshops of all time was a buddy of mine named Joshua who did the Xbox controller layout from an NA, from an EA NHL game and said, you know, Joe Thornton and just replaced every button with pass. Because Joe Thornton doesn't shoot on net. He passes towards the net and it just happens to go in off somebody. Or the goaltender went, whoa, he was passing it to me and I missed it. <laughs> See, I went with, with someone less obvious, but still obvious, but less obvious. I don't know. Anyway, um, I'm going with Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, he gets a lot of points, but most of those are assists. Yeah, that's true. I never thought about. Wow, I never thought about it that. <laughs> As everyone starts looking up his stats. <laughs> no, I'm sitting there going, uh huh, uh huh. No, no, hang on, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the last time you know he was in the the serious Maurice Richard conversation. Um, Yes, thank you. That word. And I can't remember maybe outside of one of his first one or two seasons. Uh, I mean, you know, he, he does score goals. Don't get me wrong. Like uh, eight, in 2018-19, he had 41. But he still had 58 assists, you know? <laughs> so... Um, yeah, think about if he actually shot more instead of passed as much as he does. Well, he's just, you know, he's just following in the footsteps of the greatest Colorado Avalanche player ever. Right. Um, you know, Peter Forsberg. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's he's increasingly, the last couple of years, and granted they're COVID years, so they aren't actually real years. Um, you know, this year so far, 25 games, 8 goals, 30 assists. Last year, 48 games, 20 goals, 45 assists. Yeah. One, Just and, a half, one and a half ratio is about right, I guess. He's not, I mean, he's not, you know, Octune baby. You know. He's, uh, he's falling more into that, like, before the 2005 lockout like center role where centers were passing to their wingers and the wingers were scoring goals. Um, most centers since 2005, since we that last hockey year, um, have not played that way. It's typically been the wingers feeding the centers and the centers scoring more than getting assists. So he's kind of, he's kind of retro. Retro. He's OG. He's OG. He's something. 
names jotted down first one mr philip j kessel himself (laughs) i was shocked to see how much his shooting just pure volume numbers have dropped when adjusted for throwing my hands up in the air changing schedules and seasons because of uh humans being stupid Let's just leave it at that. Um, The man has 80 shots through 36 games, so, you know, a a little over a third of his season. Puts him on pace for maybe, maybe 240, which is well below his his average when you look at his, his good years, you know, in Toronto and it only makes sense when you go to the Pittsburgh Penguins and you have all this other offensive talent and you're quote unquote playing on a third line, your numbers are going to drop to the low two hundreds and the way his season has gone thus far, he'd be lucky to hit 200, even though he still happens to play every game and there's no one else there to really shoot. Yes. He has like a 6% shooting percentage, but who cares? Just put the puck on the net. It's kind of crazy. And so that led me down a little rabbit hole looking at, you know, who has the most shots in group, it, recorded in uh, league history, and it's Ray Bork. So why not Cal McCarr? Uh, why not Cal McCarr? He, he does shoot. He shoots quite a bit, but... It got me thinking, shouldn't we see more shots from defensemen actually getting on net? I think, oh boy, and here I was planning for this show just to go from the opening to the closing. <laughs> None of us wanted to talk about anything that happened in hockey over since the last show. Um, well, I have another name jotted down that I'm refusing to bring up for... Um, legal reasons? Mental, mental health reasons. Boundaries. Boundaries are good. Yes, they are. Um, I think the disparity between, and I hate, dear God in heaven, I hate saying this phrase, is in the eras. Ray Bork, you know, that that late 70s into the 80s, into the, God, he played a long time. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Getting shots through from the point was a heck of a lot easier than it is today. Agreed. So, you know, I I think that disparity between those two examples really does come into, you know, you could you could see Ray Bork, you know, grab a puck off the wall, not really even have to take a you know uh, a step or two along the blue line to try and find a lane, but he could get it, you know. He could get it and rip it. And I think that was the, you know, the guy won the most accurate shooter. I don't know how many times at the All-Star game. That guy had a nasty wrist shot. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't dangerous like Sackick or Messier. It was just, it was clean, consistent, and accurate. So it was, I think it was a lot easier for him 
you know, he didn't need to bomb it from the point in Boston to score. He could, you know, take a pretty good wrist shot and and blow it by goalies because, again, the – oh, God, I'm going to say that word again. Eras were a little different. Well, it also mm-hmm. comes down to what we've been saying the last couple episodes is systems, right? So defenders are not expected to create offense other than dumping the puck into the offensive zone and keeping it in the zone. They're expected to create offense by getting it out of their own zone. Right. Well, I mean, for, for in, the... In, a, for in the, an expeditious fashion. <clears throat> for the uh, coaches who don't understand what defenders do, yes. For the coaches who have a glimmer of what defenders do, it's also a matter of quarterbacking power plays and things like that. Um when it's in in the offensive zone, keeping it in and and that kind of stuff, but but they're not expected to generate any offense. They're the fourth touch on the goal, right? right? They're the one that sets up the two guys who pass it to the guy who scores. Right, and and ideally in most systems, it's like you said, first pass out of the defensive zone. <clears throat> yeah, get it, it bang- to, yeah. Bang, bang, and the wingers are flying. Or and that's, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, F1 or F2 is flying the zone. <laughs> so, so there, it's, it's, if you're, I mean, part of it is how people are playing and, and, and expectations and stuff. It's also just how the coaches are using them. Which is going to bring me to the next name on my list. Uh And it's kind of bring my list a little full circle. Jacob Chikrin. And here's why. (laughs) I have to to pause right now. Okay, so middle interjection. I'm literally simming a playoff game between Edmonton and Colorado. I'm GMing the Oilers now. And Jacob Chikrin just scored. (laughs) <laughs> I, I traded for Jacob Chikrin, and he literally just scored a goal. So please oh, continue. Pat. Fa- <laughs> fancy that giving up assets for a player who is signed beyond this season could be a worthwhile strategy. Hmm. I'll pocket that one for uh, next time I'm a GM. Hmm. Kyler, Kyler Yamamoto and some future draft picks. Weasel Chikrin out of Arizona. Yeah. Just, just for the record. So, uh, last season, Dougie Hamilton led all defensemen in shooting. Just pure shots on goal. He had a pretty good offensive season. He was on a team that went to the quote-unquote playoffs. Other names kind of up there in that conversation. Um, Shea Theodore, surprisingly, Darnell Nurse, just... Tyson Berry. <laughs> but Jacob Chikrin was also up there. He was he 10% shooting percentage last season. Had he would have had, you know, upwards of 200 shots on net had it been a full 82 game schedule. But what was the one big difference in their offseason in Arizona? New coach. I was going to say the taxes. <laughs> hey, 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 we're not talking about that right now. <laughs> uh, sorry. 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 Eh? A change in coach. And yeah. lo and behold, player is struggling mightily on a intentionally terrible team. 
with very little experience. But imagine just team numbers overall. If if Jacob Chikrin was in a position to actually get more pucks to the net, and I didn't bother looking into it deep. See, all right, where's he? Where's he starting? You know, most of his you know zone time off faceoffs. I'm not looking to see what his power play time is. It's just he's just playing a lot and not getting a lot on net. And it makes me. It goes back to Cassie's point. What are these new coaches who, whatever you want to say, they're they're great with young players. Um, why is he looking all of a sudden like a completely different person when not much has truly changed around the team? You can shuffle the deck chairs all you want, but there's been no direct infusion or removal of, you know, high-end talent. Systems are high coaching's end. changed. Yeah. Systems are a hell of a drug. Mm-hmm. Systems are one hell of a drug. Just I, just, say I no. also see I also <laughs> see no. very few I also see very few coaches' names up near the top of NHL and WHL career leaders and records for shots. Go figure. (laughs) See a couple GMs, some presidents, but that's about it. You say Tyson Berry, and I have to sit there and just absolutely continue to laugh because Tyson Berry never met a, a slap shot he didn't take. And... Tyson Berry also never met a slap shot he could get through. <laughs> I can only imagine why. God. It's not that a slap shot takes, you know, an extra half to full second to get off the blade of a stick. Almost like shooting on your strong side instead of your off side on a power play. And it's also not like, you know, take with a big wind up like that, you get a lot of accuracy. Um, hell, I'd give him the accuracy part if he get it around anything. Man. I mean, the trajectory is true. There's just stuff in the way. And yeah. he doesn't adjust because he's mid-wind-up when he would need to. He doesn't adjust because he doesn't adjust before he attempts to take the shot. I mean, you see guys... Boy, I didn't think we were going to get into this conversation. You see, <laughs> I mean, you know, what's, what's the thing... Um, what was one of the brilliant things that um, somebody like Sheldon Sore could do? He had like three different shots. He had sort of the the heavy wrister, the half slapper, and the full bomb. Well, one of the things he'd do when he was going for the full bomb is he'd pivot and move and try to change the angle before he shot. Tyson Berry literally just looks up and says, there's a guy coming at me. Let's see if I can get it through him. And I swear to God, that's what he does. It's like one of these days, quantum mechanics is going to be right, and the puck is going to travel through a dimension through that guy and come out the other side. Let's not start with quantum mechanics because that makes me want to go into quantum entanglement, and that's just we don't want to go there. I think the NHL has enough entanglement of its own without getting down on the quantum level. Yeah, pretty much. 
Can yeah, we have? Go ahead. Sorry. I was just. I was going to say the only thing the NHL knows about quantum entanglement is stuff that they might see in a Marvel movie, mm-hmm. and even then they can't explain what the hell just happened. <laughs> even though explain. they visual, even though they just saw it with their own eyes, they did. They ran an eye test, but they still can't explain it. They can't explain anything that they see in the NHL. Why would they be able to explain anything in a Marvel movie? <laughs> And to think we all had like you know the the hour or hour and a half of of fun with Kodak Black, you know that was. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Share life. And instead, Cheryl. this morning Kodak. we get to have fun with Thomas Drance costing the Canucks a player. Did you yeah. see that, that one? I uh-huh. missed that. Oh, someone somewhere on Reddit uh, translated uh, article quoting uh, uh, Panarin asking why he didn't end up signing with Vancouver because atten- uh, apparently it was down to the Rangers and the Canucks when he goes to make his his decision and some apparently very negative tweets from. Uh, Mr. Drance led him to ask a few questions amongst, you know, Panarin's confidants, and he just felt it was too, too negative a market. So he signed with uh, the Rangers and said, "Yeah, I don't believe any of the words that just came out of your mouth." Oh, neither do I. But this is the stuff that's getting talked about instead of Alex Ovechkin scoring career goal number 756 today. Thank goodness. Oh, that's right. The one one of the two games did not get postponed today. Okay. Well, good for him. Good for him. He's only got 138 more to go. So that's what, two or three more seasons? I don't know. Russian machine never breaks. So we'll see about that. I, I, I will say I still do adore that commercial with him and Ove, or, uh, Backstrom and Ovi's wife. I don't it's been played it. a lot more recently and not just on NHL broadcasts because I'm watching far fewer of those. As still seeing it. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, I don't like the short version because it takes out the my favorite comedic bit, which is the. I mean, I know he's not actually doing it, but the way they play the Backstrom's milk slurp is, they play it all the way through. You know the, the, overread and everything. Um. Yeah, that's a Mr. Booth. I'm not taking anything with Mr. Booth. So, oh no, it's but my. Bigger point is this was the only thing that got talked about this morning. Oh, and yeah. There was any number of games. Like, there was a, what, 13, 11, 12, I can't do math, 11-goal game last night in Canada. Not hearing a ton about that. Um, and we're we're all just kind of, meh. You I, mean, I mean, you know, the PHF, the, 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 or the, um, those letters still confuse me. Um, they were playing today, too. Yeah, but 
the Riveters are getting their butts kicked, and it's taking a little enjoyment out of it for me. Although uh, I am planning on buying a um, Colleen Murphy number 77 jersey soon. There you go. Put uh, that on I have, a, I have a Riveters jersey from their inaugural season. So. Oh, God, those were the best. Those were hot sauce. Um, we would be talking about the 11-goal game if the team that scored the sixth goal was not in blue and white. You know, that would be all over everything. Yeah, but Lightning? even though they... Yes. <laughs> Which brings up... A... Let me let me bring the circle back around before I take us on an even deeper tangent. Um, Tampa Red Leafs? Yeah. So the... Um... No, it's the Tampa Blue Wings. Oh, yes. that's right. Blue that's Wings. right. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, so in researching the question, I see a ton and ton of Tampa and Florida players on, on lists of guys who score a lot of goals. And wouldn't you know what? Their shot totals aren't that high. It's amazing what happens when you can get a bunch of guys that know how to shoot and do things offensively and not Warren Fogle. And what happens on your second and third lines? And the collective goal totals. Like, when is the last time the Florida Panthers scored less than, like, seven goals? Because I was looking at Jonathan Huberto's stats, and I was like, man, he doesn't shoot a lot. But I was like, well, he was the other really guy I was doesn't going need to. He's the, he's the other guy that I was going to mention with the uh, um, needs to shoot more thing. Yeah. But I just stuck with uh, what's-his-face McKinnon. I mean, Anthony Duclair was there, too, but... He's they, doing great. Those two teams, I think, are textbook lessons in positional scoring. Those guys, they have a group of players that know how to get into positions that have higher percentage scoring rates than mm-hmm. than than most, right? Yes. The the freewheeling you know, you think about somebody um, like Edmonton who apparently can't do anything unless it's off the rush and it's Connor and Leon. Um, you know, watching them try and get set up, you know, even if it's just four or five passes in the zone before the shot's taken, it's it's that triangle offense from basketball, right? It's you got everybody sort of working, isolating, getting low, you know, four or five passes, and then you've got a high-quality shot on net versus, you know, one, two, shoot, or one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, shoot. Um, sustained pressure is good when you're working to open up the position, but those guys are really good, and I've noticed this the last few games with both those teams. They're really good about getting in, getting quick sets, and getting shots off without needing you know, the heavy down low cycle and four check and, you know, rim arounds and all that kind of stuff. So. And it also reflects in their power plays where they will move the puck around to different areas based on what the penalty kill is giving them. But what they're doing is they, they will use some sort of mini triangle between three players to draw someone out of position or just open up enough space elsewhere. And they do it quickly. Yeah. Get very quick. 
and you know it's it's get the stick out of the lane you want or get the stick out of one of the two lanes you want and then put it to that lane and then generally that guy's going to be available you know and it's funny you said warren fogel because the the game i went to with the oilers and the seattle kraken um i had forgotten that how many players were on the COVID protocol for the oilers and I saw the opening, you know, they, they line up for the face-off, and I was like, huh, Connor McDavid with Warren Fogle and Zach Cassian sure is a choice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I yeah. think it was supposed to be a choice, too. Yes, it was but definitely. So a player form, played their way down. It was definitely some form of intentional choice. What was funny is, I think, it was it was humorous to me because Warren actually did something that Connor needs, which is he just basically plowed right to the front of the net and took people with him, and and you know tried to open up space and he ended up getting I think he got one I know he got one goal he I think he may have been in on another one, just by playing, you know steak and potatoes hockey, on that line, but then again it was against the Kraken so. <laughs> <clears throat> expansion team yeah glad glad we've glad we've burst the bubble of the the vegas actually no we've we've just basically stomped it into the ground <laughs> no we've 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 built a plinth and a statue to that myth now haven't we mm-hmm. yep that they're just a freak show Huh. A freak show that acquired talented offensive players. Because anyone can be taught to play defense. Uncut gems. Yeah. And then had William Carlson go off on one of the hottest shooting streaks, I think, in the last 30 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what did it take to be on that shooting streak? Getting there. Just Getting shooting. the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and honestly, just shooting. It's it's amazing what a uh, what a player can do when they're given a little time, and they can just put a shot on that. A little a little uh, show of of trust. Mm-hmm. That's that's really more so than than anything else, I think, because. You know, if, uh, if coaches showed that they trusted their players more, like the not the star players so much, but, you know, third, fourth liners, second, third pair defenders, then um, their confidence would bounce up and they would play better. But because yeah. they don't, they're just, you know, yelling and screaming at people to, like, play better <sighs> or, pun- or quote-unquote punishing them by demoting them to a, a lower line or sitting in the press box. Yeah. You know, that doesn't really help anybody. But enough about Ryan Donato. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, so many, so many coaches. I know. (laughs) So many. I know. Trust me, I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so in a, in, in a, in accordance with the prophecy, and to avoid to avoid discussing any more NHL stuff, are we ready for the question? <laughs> I was gonna say, I, okay, what? I think we're just about a half hour in. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah. so I have a bit of a preamble with this because Ooh. I don't want to assume that everybody knows what I know. If you do, great. If you don't, you know. Here you go. So I was on Twitter. No, I'm good. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I was on Twitter the other night, and uh, you know, teams that have poor power plays. A lot of times, people who are American football fans will crack the half joke of decline the power play, right? We don't want the power play decline the penalty, blah, blah, blah. So this is, this is something you guys need to think about. In American football, when a foul is called, the referee will consult with the captain or assistant captain on the field to ask whether they accept the penalty or not. Sometimes the captain will consult with the coach before making that determination, and sometimes he'll just make it on his own. Other times, the referee will make that determination on their own when it's obvious that a team will want to decline the penalty, such as when the play results in a touchdown and accepting the penalty would wipe that touchdown off the board. Penalty yardage is added from the line of scrimmage of the play that the penalty occurred on. It usually comes down to yardage gain on the play versus penalty yardage. For example, if there was a seven yard gain on a play by the offense, but it was only a five yard penalty, then the penalty will be declined because seven yards is greater than five yards. So with that in mind, under what circumstances would you consider granting teams the power to decline penalties on the opposing team in a game and therefore declining going on the power play? This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.